You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman had shown Gotham the true colors of friend of yours? I'm not so sure. I'm just here to unmask the truth about this cesspool we call a city. You're part of this too. How am I part of this? Oh, you're really not as smart as I thought you were. Bruce Way. All these years, you lied to me, Alfred. Scars, Bruce. He's still away. He's involved in this? No, he's not involved. How do you know? Except for Delaney. Who are you under there? What are you hiding? Selena, don't throw your life away. Don't worry, honey. I got nine of them. It can be cruel, poetic, or blind. But when it's denied, it's your violence you may find. Justice. The answer's justice. Come on, vengeance. Let's get into some trouble. Hey there, Dark Knight friends and family. Welcome back to another spooktastic episode of the Eternal Night Podcast, a podcast dedicated to Batman, everything Dark Knight detective, and his world of Gotham City. As you all know, this is one of your two hosts. My name is Philip. You can follow me along on any social platform at Unfiltered. You can also follow along my other my co-host here, Craig Blaylock. Craig, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. It's good to be back in the chair. It's nice to be back, and uh, people can follow you on Instagram just at Craig Omega. Yes, sir, Craig Omega. Like you said, like you mentioned, bud, it's been um, it's been a while since we've been in the chairs. Yeah, it's been a bit. Hope you've recovered from uh, your your Jameson from the uh, commentary episode of Batman and Robin. I have. I'm still now recovering from the wine I had last night. <laughs> 
but I'm okay. Yeah, that was a that was a fun episode. But um, I felt I think we felt obligated to put that out. And it's funny because the when we recorded and put that out, not even a couple days later, a brand new trailer for the Batman drops. Yep, Willie. Yeah. And ever since then, it's just been kind of uh, <laughs> it's been interesting to get our schedules aligned so we can talk about all this cool stuff that's happened. Um, there's some things I know I don't want to talk about. There's some things I know Craig wants to talk about. We're also going to talk about um, a couple episodes of Batman the Animated Series for you guys also been following along. Um, but I guess the first place we can start before we get into the real meat of this episode, um, yesterday um, while I was streaming, or actually it was either yesterday or the day before, um, I was on one. I was on um, ACS Universe show, and we were just having a chat. And just this, this someone told us to check the ch- check um, the social feeds and check Instagram. There had been something that dropped, and sure enough, uh, Leslie Grace, who's playing Batgirl for the HBO Max joint that is coming to HBO Max this year, still that's my understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a costume reveal for Batgirl amazing costume reveal in my opinion i like it i'm not i think they did a really really good job with it yeah i'm not over the moon about it i mean it's not you know spectacular or or anything but i'm not i'm not saying it's terrible either it's very uh very burnside i know that's the seems to be the um the inspiration behind this look of background Mm -hmm. for this film uh it's well documented that um Brendan Fraser will be playing the role of Firefly, and it looks like also Michael Keaton is definitely going to be in this movie in some capacity as well. So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what this movie looks like and the kind of tone and feel it's going to look like. And um, I'm also just very curious to see if they if they just address how this suit came to fruition, or if she's just if they're just going to just jump right into it and she's just going to be Batgirl from the go. Now, remind me, so is this coming out before or after The Flash? Do we know that yet? I mean, if it were to come out after The Flash, at that point, it would have to release sometime in December along sometime, I would guess, after Aquaman. Yeah, true. I keep forgetting that Aquaman's coming out this year. (laughs) Yeah, Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom comes out, um, I think, December 16th. Okay. And the Flash is slated for November fourth, because that's my whole thing about this. With what we're seeing, and I'm sure we're going to go into it here about like these, you know, these photos that have been on the set of the Batgirl movie. Mm-hmm. I've got to imagine that this is the Flash movie is obviously going to do something. They're going to do a Flashpoint situation. I'm guessing where he affects whatever they're going to call it, the DC multiverse or whatever mm-hmm. to try to get all of this in line, because there is so much about this Batgirl movie that I'm just kind of like got my eyebrows raised and going, what is going on with this film? Cause you've got, so now we know that that Leslie Grace's Batgirl, we've seen the costume, but now we're hearing that, you know, um, JK Simmons is coming back as commissioner Gordon. Mm hmm that Keaton is going to be Batman in this. So it's like, what, what is going to happen? What causes all that? What brings all of that together? I'm honestly not sure. I don't know what the game plan is as far as connectivity is concerned. And honestly, that's kind of, um, 
that's just something I don't really try to think about anymore when it comes to WWE yeah. projects because I don't think because yeah. I don't think they even know what they're doing. I mean, I, th- I can't count how many times David Sandberg has come out and said, "I haven't been talked to about Black Adam." Yeah. So that to me, it's not necessarily a red flag, but it's like you know, those Shazam and Black Adam are, are pretty close characters, and you 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 would at mm-hmm. the you'd you'd have to think at the very least they were there would be some kind of like, you know, there's got. So there, it bums me out because that implies that there's not too much collaboration going on there. And it's like, well, there has to be. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, OK, you've got these iconic characters who are integral to one another. If you're a Shazam fan, you know about Black Adam. So it's like to hear that maybe they're both going in their own directions with both of those characters. It's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> that's that's what people want to see. People want to see Shazam battle Black Adam. Right. And like, they've also hinted that that's the case, but at the same time, it's like, well, it, it's really difficult when they're just not that transparent. Yeah. And then, like we said, you know, there's these set photos that are coming out about the Batgirl movie. And the one that baffles me is there are these, um, these shots of these like uh, it's called the Gotham Tattler. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. they're like news journalist type thing. And one of them is like exclusive interview billionaire Lex Luthor hires new lawyer to appeal sentence. Yeah. So it's like so we're talking about the Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor. That's correct. We're, we're talking about Batman v Superman Lex Luthor. So right. this movie is set in that what is going on well not only that they misspelled luther um, yeah i thought that was hilarious too oh my people gosh. on the internet are having an absolute shit fit about that i find that kind of funny <laughs> yeah um look like there are a lot of photos going around from the set of backer one that kind of implicates the court of owls being kind of mm-hmm. ousted and being kind of like more than just a a uh, conspiracy theory um, there's also an ad there that, you know, they, they talk to a, a gymnast who was yeah. probably once recruited by the court of owls and people are like, Oh, it was Dick Grayson. There's mm-hmm. even rumors that Dick Grayson slash Nightwing or even Robin himself might show up in this movie. And I'm just like, and I sigh in that, you know, I want to be surprised by stuff. Mm-hmm. Now I want to be genuinely kind of surprised and maybe I should, like stay off the internet a little bit more, but at the same time, it's like I've I've been so enthralled and enraptured with with following these films for the last ten to twelve years of my life because I just really enjoy superhero movies, especially like Batman or Batman mm-hmm. related anything. It's like it's kind of hard not to, but it's like when it comes to something like that, it's really going to boil down, at least for me, how the execution of it is handled because you know this is also kind of spawning out from the fact that. Ben Affleck no longer wants to be Batman. Like he's yeah. for sure, like no longer. Like he's done, done. Like the Flash is his last appearance as his version of the character, and you know he he's made it abundantly clear he doesn't want to do IP I, giant IP work anymore. And I honestly, after the run that he had, mm-hmm. I don't blame him. After hearing or seeing that interview where he said that like it was just an absolutely horrible experience of him working on justice league i i can get it i can see why he wouldn't want to go back to that character and look i'll also be the first to admit i was 100 percent behind him doing a batman movie on his own accord me it's too just shitty that we're not going to see that see the mm-hmm. light of day i'm at the same time though like ben affleck's always been one of my favorite actors and I want nothing but the best for him. And mm-hmm. if he doesn't want to do this anymore, 
it's his choice. On the plus side, I did see recently, it was just a quick little snippet of, of an interview that I saw that he said that his favorite moments of being Batman are apparently some scenes that he is in in the Flash. So that gives me that gives me some more excitement about that Flash movie. He mentioned that, that the work he did on Zack Snyder's Justice League and the Flash kind of puts a nice little finish on his run of the character. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't just... I know a lot of people are running with it just being like the Flash, but he mentions both of them. That's good. And I'm not going to say it's going to happen because things change, but the only way I would ever see Ben Affleck stepping back into a cowl is if Zack Snyder called him to put the cowl back on. That's what I'm thinking too, yeah. Because he did it, you know, for a day's worth of footage. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. You know, the, the DC Universe is a constant and flux-changing thing as it is, and it always has been. So, anything could change, anything could happen. But as it stands right now, I, th- I again, I think Batgirl, the context behind that film is going to be reinforced by what happens with The Flash. And yep. we just don't know what's going to happen with The Flash. Um, I'm honestly not exactly sure what the deal is with that film. I just know that uh, Michael Keaton's older Batman will be a part of it. And he came back to this. And, and that's, mind you, after he stepped away almost 30 years ago from Batman Forever. Yep. Yeah, that's big. I'm just very curious to see what his role is going to be as, you know, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say the the main Batman, even though that's what people are going with, but it feels like if they're going to utilize him in like a multiversal fashion, there has to be something there for, you know, them to take on at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just don't know what exactly their plan is yet. And Again, to be frank, I don't I'm not exactly sure that Warner has a plan. Yeah, I really think it's going to come down to honestly, I feel like the the Flash movie and Batgirl are going to be integral to see what happens with the future of the DCEU at this point. I would say they would probably be pretty integral in regards to Batman's world more so because it, it yeah. you'd have to wonder if uh, if all these swirling rumors of you know Nightwing, Robin, whatever showing up in in Batgirl being true, are they really going to try and fully flesh out a a corner of the DC universe that is dedicated to his to his world? On top of the fact that Matt Reeves is also doing the exact same thing. Yeah. So again, I I don't know. I have no idea what their plan is in regards to that, but. When I think about it, I don't try and get overtly angry because I know a lot. There's a lot of people who are just outright PO'd that Keaton's Batman, and it's like I get it. I do. Mm-hmm. I even question it myself. Like, how, how is you know a 70 year old man gonna fight in a bat suit like that? He could barely move <laughs> yeah. in it back then. So it's just it's just funny to me that you know their their idea instead of just trying to recast it, you know, a Batman that's a little bit more closer in age to Ben Affleck, younger, little older, younger, whatever. No, instead, they're just going to shoot for the stars and, and aim for nostalgia. And it's like, okay, fine, I can understand that. But again, like, it's it's just, it's going to be very interesting to see him fight at 70 years old in that bat suit. <laughs> and I'm not saying you can't do it. I mean, look at Spider-Man Homecoming. He fought Tom Holland's Spider-Man in a giant vulture suit. Mm-hmm. Um, I know him and Dylan O'Brien, they, like, they went at it in, like, a movie called Assassins or something. I don't remember, but... 
there's a movie that came out last year that Michael Keaton was in that apparently kicks a lot of ass in. So if he can mm. still do it, he can still do it. Good for him. And, you know, even with uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, Willem Dafoe, 66 years old, doing all his stunts. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I have, I have no idea what kind of Batman, Michael Keaton's Batman has become in, in the years that's passed. And it's funny because I see a lot of people kind of doing, having that same um, kind of reaction to the Boba Fett show, the Book of Boba Fett. Like, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of weight and there's a lot of um, expectation that comes with that character. And I feel like mm-hmm. this show is really subverting a lot of expectations in a lot of ways. Yeah, because you know, as as Boba Fett famously is a bounty hunter, in the TV show he's no longer quite a bounty hunter. He's a crime lord, and he's yep. learning to be one. And I think that's really throwing people for a loop. But hey, what can you do? Yeah, it's just those kind of expectations when you have a character that is so beloved, and you're trying to do something new with it. You're you're gonna run into some upset fanboys. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with the Flash and michael keaton's batman i wonder just how much of that could happen because you know they, mm-hmm. they there's a lot of people out there who have michael keaton's batman just heralded as this this pillar this icon of of not only just you know batman but dc right like michael mm-hmm. i don't blame him but it's like you'd have to wonder if there's going to be some kind of backlash a la maybe akin to luke skywalker last jedi yeah <laughs> that's kind of or mind my mindset was too because because people have these expectations of the character mm-hmm. and what if in these films he does not match up to those expectations or these ideas that people have for the character exactly and also you got to wonder was this whole thing with Keaton could this have been kind of the fallout because Affleck doesn't really want to be the character anymore was Keaton even going to be involved in all of this had you know Affleck been more up for being in the films more I'm honestly not too sure about that I'm not the fly on that wall yeah even though I'd love to be but that's kind of my my thought was like you know what if you know Affleck had been more interested and willing to be in these films more would we have these kind of scenarios going on right now? Or would he have had Warner Brothers just been like, well, he's our Batman going forward? You know, I can kind of go back to the idea that Affleck came on to do a version of Batman that had a very specific storyline. And now that that storyline is no longer really happening, he would probably just be like, well, this isn't really what I signed up for. So yeah, true. I need to find a way to step away from this because this isn't, Again, you know, so not only what I signed up for, it, it just kind of just seems like something he just doesn't want to do. You know, you get the idea, at least to me, you know, everyone always talked about like how he would be perfect to have a solo film or he'd be perfect to have a trilogy mm-hmm. with a Robin, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, guys, these characters, the time that they get on screen is just limited as, as it is. To mm-hmm. do something like that, what you're asking for, people are basically just asking for the DC universe to be like Marvel, and I'm just they sick, are. I am just sick to yep. death of that. I really am. Yep. Because like, look, they they made a thing. It's popular, understandable, but that doesn't mean that every single 
opposite side that is not Marvel Studios needs to copy that and paste it. And unfortunately, I just feel like WB's kind of doing that to some extent or another. But I do think on some level that can work for them if they're strictly just utilizing, you know, filmmaker driven studio status quo, but also bringing in these, you know, filmmakers to do their own stamp on these DC characters. But it's it's a whole, pulp, you know, inner thing that just gets convoluted and hard to talk about once you get in the nitty gritty of it. Yeah. I had really hoped, you know, back when Joker came out, you know, say what you will about the Joker movie. Some people love it. Some people will hate it. That movie to me, I thought that DC was finally kind of going in the direction of we have these characters. We're going to do films. We're going to let the filmmakers do their interpretations. Nothing's going to be connected. It's just all going to be separate storylines and you can experience them you know, in all these different ways with all these different directors and their visions of these characters. So I was originally intrigued by that because I'm like, man, if they do this with Joker, could they do this with other characters down the line? And even with the Batman, you know, it's looking like it's kind of its own story with its own world and its own set of characters. And I'm like, okay, I'm really into this. But now we're seeing Batgirl and Flash and we're talking about multiverses and multiple characters showing up in the same movies and i'm like guys you don't it you don't have to go the multiverse route we don't need to bring everything all together you could just do everything on its own you know there is another rumor that the flash movie may or may not solidify a brand new timeline in which keaton's batman is the main batman sasha kaye supergirl is now the Kryptonian going forward and then everything else pretty much stays relatively the same. But hmm. to me, I'm just like, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. And I'm, I'm just kind of in wait and see mode for the flash because like you, you know, when it comes to continuity, continuity is continuity. Headcanon is your own headcanon. Whatever you want a headcanon is what I exactly would consider canon. Right. And to me, like, I just don't know. I don't know what the Flash is going to do to the DC canon that I've been watching for the last seven years, eight yeah. years, whatever it is. I don't know what's going to happen. I guess it would be nine because it started in 2013 and we're in 2022. So, yep. I don't know. Crazy to see where we're at at this point. <laughs> I know that Matt Reeves signed on to do a Batman movie that was initially supposed to be in the universe and now... Thank goodness he fought for creative integrity and freedom to be like, no, yeah. I want to do my own thing. And, you know, I can res I can absolutely respect that. At first, I was kind of bummed. But at the same time, over time, it's like, if you're an artist yourself, I feel like at some point you have to recognize that if you're going to look at other people's art, you have to respect the fact that they want to do their own thing. Mm -hmm. And me, as a huge fan of Snyder's films and a lot of what he did with Batman adapting to the idea of you know acclimating to a new batman entirely after one kind of just gets his story cut short if you will it's kind of a tough thing to do but at the same time when you know when reeves the idea that he's created the the the, the take that he's gone with his version of batman what they seem to be doing i'm intrigued yeah very much this so. is definitely out of out of everything that has come out I am definitely the most intrigued with the Batman to really see what this interpretation is going to be like. I haven't been this excited and interested in a movie in quite some time. Yeah. And I think it's just as far as the, 
the the universe itself goes um my excitement for the films kind of goes black adam aquaman flash batgirl or maybe yeah. Batgirl Flash. I don't really know. I'm I've I've seen more of the first two than I have the other two. So yeah, and like you, like I've told you before, and I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I'm very much a I got to see a trailer first. I could read all about it. I could see set photos all day long, but until I see a trailer and I can kind of get the tone and general idea of what a film is going to be like, mm-hmm. I try to hold off on like my general level of excitement until I actually see it in motion in front of me. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat and you know, Batman, Batman is a character that just kind of stands above all else. A lot of these Mm -hmm. other characters for me personally. And I think that's why I'm a lot more open to seeing more versions of him. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty easy to say, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'll never say no to Batman. Yeah. And, when someone new comes along and has their own stamp on it, I think some fans have a really hard time being respectful of that when the new, when the new, that's the right word here, when the new creative team comes in, it's, it, it can be kind of difficult to adapt, but I think the easier was, I had an easier time adapting to a new Batman when Christian Bale was done. And then when Ben Affleck was cast and yeah. I remember back then when a lot of people were not thrilled at the idea of Ben Affleck being, you know, the Batman of the DC universe or whatever the, the narrative was back then. Mm-hmm. People really wanted Christian Bale to come back or people just wanted a wholly different Batman cast. And it's just like, well, shit. And then there was just a constant just noise surrounding that version of Batman for years until finally he left. Yep. And now we're with Robert Pattinson's version of the character, which, all things considered, I haven't seen an ounce. I mean, I've seen hatred, but it's from a very small minority of... It is definitely the the smallest, I would definitely say the smallest amount of criticism. There are those vocal, you know, those vocal minorities that are upset and don't like the idea. Mm -hmm. It is way, way less than anything that Affleck had to deal with. Yeah, it's very odd to me to see so many, and I don't mean this maliciously, but you know, there there's just so many die-hard Zack Snyder fans mm-hmm. who really don't want any other kind of Batman. They don't want any kind of like you know Batgirl unless it's Affleck adjacent or whatever. And it's just like you know, it's really unfortunate because that loud minority is making a lot of really good fans look bad and it's it's, mm-hmm. it's it really sucks because you know <laughs> i really would like to see what he would have done with justice league, the, the justice league sequels but it really feels like the wb is not going to move forward with that anytime soon especially no. con- considering the the people in charge of the dc films division so it mm-hmm. is what it is but i'm not saying never say never yeah as far as that's concerned but i will also say that they are a studio and they will do business things for business reasons. And when it comes to Batman, well, they're not going to leave a Batman thing hanging. So 
I'd imagine, and I don't know that this would be the case for sure, but I remember when they were trying to get another Superman movie off the ground and they went through a couple different versions before they finally got Superman Returns, but the problem Superman Returns faced was it made a pretty sizable amount of the box office. The problem was its budget was comprised of, you know, not only Superman Returns, but Superman Lives. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that is the case here with the Batman prior to, you know, being a, a Batman film centered around Ben Affleck's Batman. But I do think that some of the ideas in the script might have remained similar because um, I know for sure that the Riddler was in, like, he was, creatively speaking, he was a part of the Injustice League that Lex Luthor was going to form by the second mm. Justice League film, and he was supposed to appear in, in Ben Affleck's Batman film to some extent. So the fact that the Riddler's here and the fact that we're also probably going to see, again, Arkham Asylum, that much, I think, has remained intact from from one project evolving to the other with the director's change and, you know, Affleck's departure, Pattinson's casting, and the whole script getting a rehaul. I think the only things that I think remains the same is, like, the fact that there's Arkham and the fact that there's a couple, a sizable amount of villains. It's the only things I think remain the same. Yeah. Oh, man, just thinking about those that Injustice League that they were kind of hinting at in the Snyder ones. And now that we know, you know, Riddler is obviously in, in the Batman, uh, it just makes me think, man, could we get, could we get Deathstroke in one of these movies? That would be, uh, I'd like to see Matt Reeves interpretation of Deathstroke now that I'm thinking about it. Well, Deathstroke was almost in the suicide squad. Yeah. I remember that. Thank goodness he wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) That's all I'll say there, honestly. Yeah. But, uh, Yeah. You know, I'd be curious to see what Matt Reeves would do with a character like Deathstroke. I mean, we, we talked about it on the last episode. You know, I, I really want to see him do Mr. Freeze. You said mm-hmm. Man-Bat. Terrence said Clayface. Like, there's a lot of villains I think he could have fun with. Um, and, you know, since we're even on the topic, I suppose we can just kind of steamroll right into, you know, the big meat of what we've been wanting to talk about. And that is the, the Bat and the Cat trailer that came out yep. two, three days after Christmas. Yeah, I want to say it was the 26th, 27th? 27th, I think. Let me see. I'll pull it up right now. No. Oh, if I go back, it's going to play the trailer immediately. No, not if I mute it. Yep, okay. December 27th, yeah. Okay, yeah, two days. Ah. Yeah, just out of nowhere... Um two days after Christmas it Matt Reeves and you know the Batman accounts like there was like talks of like you know things that had been seen in a new trailer and then like sure enough the trailer dropped and man this trailer has just been living in my head rent free for quite some time yeah I mean just the fact you know that the very first trailer we got I was really impressed with but this is this trailer just takes to a whole new level getting to see more of that chase scene between him and cobblepot seeing more of the riddler hearing more of the riddler seeing more of the relationship between batman and catwoman there is there is so much to digest with this trailer there really is and you know it kind of starts off with him talking to this new character created specifically for the film uh, Bella Real, 
believe the, the, the character is that her name, name? Is. yeah she's a mayoral candidate in this world for gotham city and um she's kind of grilling into him saying you know your family is of that of philanthropy but you're not really doing anything with it and it's intercut with that chase sequence yeah and man this chase sequence i cannot wait to see the full thing play out because yeah. that shot uh, about 35 ish seconds in where the camera is like at the bottom end of the Batmobile and he mm -hmm. swings it. And then you just see Cobblepot's car go all over the road. Mm -hmm. That is one of the most impressive shots I've ever seen in a car chase scene. Yeah, it's it's very it's a very interesting shot. Definitely, because I, I don't think I've ever seen footage of the Batmobile so up close and so up yeah. front. And then uh, after that, it's funny because he smirks. Yeah, he smirks in the cave and <laughs> doesn't if, even say a word. Doesn't say a word, and you feel like he's he's just kind of responding to what she's to what she says after witnessing all of that. I think the way it was cut is superbly intentional. Oh yeah. Then of course you know it kind of snaps to the DC and WB logo, and then we get a voiceover from Jim Gordon citing the Riddler asking for batman and then we get like a view of batman in one of the riddler's hideouts with a cop and on the bottom of the floor is a floor plan for gotham city mm -hmm. and it says hold on I'm a gonna... real change thank you for real change but if you look close enough in the back he's got a lot of other traps and sick shit he's working on there too yep there's a lot going on in that workshop and the cop says, you know, the killer left this for the Batman. And then there's a conversation between Bruce and Alfred. And Alfred again reiterates the question of why is he writing to you, implicating the Riddler. And then we see the Batman answer the phone. And the Riddler kind of just hodls into frame and says, I've been trying to reach you in like the creepiest way possible. Mm -hmm. Which this is probably the most we've gotten in regards to the Riddler for this movie. And this is probably the best look at what he's aiming to do. Yeah, this definitely shows us the most Riddler we've seen so far. Well, even Catwoman mentions, like, you know, his latest is all about the Waynes. And if they don't do anything, they're going to have to stand up. And this is also the one moment of, like, humor you could probably argue is going to be yeah. in that film. Got a lot of cats. And we get that we get that shot again from the last trailer of Bruce standing in this room. I'm guessing it's probably like a section maybe of the Batcave. I don't know, but it's that like question mark in the center and he's got mm. the chalk going off in the different directions. And, you know, it says the sins of my father with a bunch of question marks. And then you've got all these last names. You've got Savage, Mitchell, Colson above Colson. It says no more lies. And then another line that's going off without a renewal name, and it's a renewal. Renewal is a lie. Yeah, which I don't think we saw that in the last trailer. So this has been shown off, but I think um, I don't know that we touched on it too much. But yeah, this is this is I think you know probably a nice display of, of a detective side of Batman that we've never had the chance to see, mm -hmm. because you know the the Riddler. And the only other two live action appearances he's ever been in, you know, he was predominantly a, a jokey kind of character. And here he's taken a lot more seriously, almost like a Zodiac killer a la um, Seven style. Yeah. John Doe. But it does look like his plan involves exposing some kind of deep seated superb corruption in 
Gotham City, and it looks like the Waynes very well might be tied to it. Then we see Batman hanging out with Catwoman and all her cats. Yeah, she's drinking milk. Yeah. <laughs> I love her and nails. What she, she says something like, I got a thing about strays or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, I love her nails. Yeah, I love that she files them in the in just like a cat's claws. Yep. And we do see a little bit of fighting between the two of them. Which you got to figure they're going to fight and like flee off in the knot. They're mm -hmm. probably going to like playfully play cat and mouse with one another. That's got to be a thing they're probably going to do throughout the entirety of the movie. And then we do get for the first time, I think, in these trailers, we get a really good shot of the Riddler in his suit and looks like he's holding like a sniper rifle i think that might be him or that might be one of his henchmen because Lackeys, later on yeah. in the trailer they do show that batman is batman and catwoman for that matter are taking out a lot of his henchmen on top of a rooftop but yeah you're right if that is him that's probably one of the better looks at him but also batman is also looking at a crime scene and he sees a riddler question mark in the corner of what seems to be like a, a glass case i wonder mm -hmm. what kind of trap that is and i think that's smart to not show us because that might be a surprise and i think now that we know that this movie is going to be rated pg-13 i think what's going to be most interesting and i'm sure reeves is going to be capable of doing this he's going to have to do these traps however menacing they are he's going to have to do it without you know a lot of graphic violence mm -hmm. and i think if anyone can pull that kind of thing off i think it's definitely a director like matt reeves he's going to be able to build that uncomfortable tension without having to show you a bunch of like you know really disturbing you know mutilation or anything like that i mean he did it with the dawn of the apes planet yep. dawn of planet of the apes and war for the planet of the apes but i really it's going to it's going to be the kind of tricks, kind of like how Nolan did in The Dark Knight, you know, with the pencil trick. Right. It was a very disturbing scene, even though we didn't see anything. So the Riddler's delivering some lines at this point, and he says, you know, I'm just here to unmask the truth about this cesspool that we call a city. And then he says, you're a part of this, too. And then Batman asks, how am I a part of this? And then I think this is probably, like, one of the best line deliveries, but it's also yes. quick to note that this is the only bit of dialogue that can be clearly heard from Dano's version of the Riddler. Everything else that he says in the trailer is sounded muffled from the mask. But if yep. you listen very closely, he says, oh, you're really not as smart as I thought you were. I think that conversation happens while they're in Arkham, while he's yeah, behind when the he's, glass. When he, yeah, when he's behind the glass. That's exactly what I thought, too. Because, again, you know, he's delivering the line without the mask on yep at least it sounds like it and then he follows that up with bruce wayne which i'm in the camp that he very well could know that bruce wayne is batman but there is also a part of me that thinks that he very well could just be sending letters to bruce wayne and batman very possible but i will not deny the the, the idea that he very well probably could know who batman is especially considering that this is a very you know year two story he's very you know this 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 bruce wayne is very much a, a recluse and very much like kind of a, a secluded rock star as matt reese put it you know kind of like a kurt cobain-ish kind of character who's very mm -hmm. just you know 
knee-deep in his own creativity and craziness in the form of Batman. So if he's spending all this time as Batman, it would be a lot easier for someone to figure out who he is based on who's not present in the real world. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know. Just have to wait and find out. And then we get this great shot of Batman and Gordon heading towards this room and I'm really intrigued where this goes in the movie where there's this these this doorway where it says where it all spray began. painted on it where it all began. So that you just gotta wonder what is behind that door. There's a rumor that I saw that Bruce and Edward wound up at the same orphanage. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that will be a real factor. It's just something that I came across. But I don't know. It, it remains to be seen. I think I th- I want. I'm not sure, but you know, I I recently did rewatch Chinatown the other night, which serves mm-hmm. you know a large basis of influence for the for this movie specifically. Um, Chinatown, Zodiac, and Seven were three films that I immediately can think of that this film reminds me of. And in Chinatown, the character J.J. Geats, played by Jack Nicholson. You know, he uh, uncovers a very deep-seated, you know, ploy that goes a lot deeper than he initially thought. And I'm wondering if here in the Batman, if the Riddler is also kind of... You'd have to think, like, if, if anyone else here in this in this city, in this version of Gotham, has, like, been brought up by it, he's probably been brought up the same way, too. Yeah. So, remains to be seen, but it is very curious, like, where it all began will lead to. And then after that, Bruce Wayne says, you lied to me, Alfred. And Alfred says, we all have our scars. You're still a Wayne. And I'm just like, it's got to be, if the corruption is tied to his parents and Alfred potentially knew about it, I could see that being the reason that he could lie to him or Mm -hmm. lie to him. But I don't know. Could be something else entirely. Because especially given the relationship we've always seen between Alfred and Bruce, you know, they've always trusted one another. So it's interesting that we're going to see a film where maybe that trust is challenged for the first time. Or maybe it's just a witty joke cut out of context. Yeah, very possible. You lied to me, Alfred. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. It very well could be a, a plot point in which Alfred did lie to him. It very well just could be a witty joke cut out of context. I don't know. Anything could happen. Get some good action shots. We get the commissioner speaking for the first time, asking mm-hmm. if Batman's a part of this, and we get a nice little look at Batman whipping out his uh, grapple gun from his wrist, shooting it up. A couple Being more shots of Catwoman. Yes. And she says something to the effect, <laughs> Batman says, you know, don't waste your life away, and Selena goes, don't worry, honey, I got nine of them. <laughs> yeah. Now, here, where the Riddler is on the phone, and he crashed, you know, the, we've seen the, 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 the car crash the funeral, and it's, you know, mm-hmm. the Coulson character. I think, after that, you know, and Riddler delivers the riddle, you know, it can be cruel, poetic, or blind, but when it's denied, it's your violence you may find. And we also get, after that sequence, you know, Batman turns around, and he's seemingly like in water and there's floodlights and you know police lights and then an explosion happens and then you see Gotham City just become roused with water so 
I think I might have mentioned to you a while ago, I might have even said something on this show that I'd heard something about this movie that could potentially happen. And um, that bit kind of leans into what I was told. Yeah. So um, it does look like whatever the Riddler is planning, it will culminate into a flooding of Gotham City a la Secret Year from Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Yeah. I mean, just given that that shot, this really beautiful shot, honestly, <laughs> despite how destructive it is, of all these explosions going on around the city all at the same time, and then you just see this quick clip of just all this water rushing in, and it's like, okay, so, yeah, there's going to be, he's looking for, like, a purge situation. He wants to just wipe out the city. At the very least, he wants to make this city really crumble from a very like financial and structural perspective too because this something like this would devastate the city for for quite some time in terms of economics yeah this this will absolutely the amount of damage that would be done bingo bingo it would set the stage for this batman to have things to worry about two three other movies down the line yep because this is this is long-term damage almost in the same vein as no man's land wink wink nudge nudge <laughs> but yes batman is holding a flare he's seemingly guiding people out of a flood zone and i'm very curious to see where this movie will land as far as my overall batman rankings uh there is one last bit of dialogue from selena saying come on vengeance let's go find some trouble which i appreciate mm-hmm. and there's another just... just more great fighting scenes here yeah yeah, I wonder if this is going to be like the the last stand of Riddler and his goons, but I don't know. Um, that last shot of him turning the cow, turning with the cow, and like yeah. the, the crescendo of Giacchino's score. Just a really great trailer. Yeah. It's absolutely superb in every sense of the word. Yeah, I've got I've got nothing bad to say about that trailer. I'm I'm ready for this movie. I can't wait to watch it. One thing I just noticed as I get to the end of the trailer, when it shows the you know only in theaters March fourth and everything, right below where it says experience it in IMAX, there's a bunch of random little symbols. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if that's supposed to indicate anything. It leads to the website that has been being used for the viral marketing. Oh okay. Oh that makes sense. I see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've been on there a few times, and if you do the the riddles, it shows like a, a sketch of, from the GCPD of Batman's cowl. So, oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool, all things considered. Yeah, and that's definitely at that last little bit where we see that flooding going on. Like you said, that just opens it up to multiple movies worth of conflicts that could pop out of something like that. Right, because again, this is if if that goes through, which it. It's looking like it will. It's going to cause a lot of long-term damage for a lot of different reasons. And honestly, mm-hmm. like, even, I was thinking about this. If this version of Batman is currently operating out of, like, a, you know, a subway system, if this flood happens, he's going to have to find another base of operations. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, assuming his... um if this version of the Batcave or whatever is in a tunnel system that's, you know, above or below, whatever, it very well could get flooded out. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and now that I just think about it, you know, he's blowing up all these spots around the city. Does one of them potentially, does he maybe 
have one at Arkham Asylum, which would allow other villains to get out, and that's Bingo. how we get other villains in the future films. That very well could be the case, too, because this is, again, you know, he's in year two, so who's to say he already hasn't meddled with a few villains that we just haven't seen? Yep. Or we don't know about because they might be in the movie. I don't know. And, you know, it's not to say they, they couldn't do, like, little Easter eggs there if, you know, if the Riddler gets hauled off to Arkham Asylum and then they, you know, kind of wheel him by, you know, unknown and you hear a creepy laugh, right? Like, there's there's a Joker Easter egg. Or, if like, um, I, I, I could see maybe in a nod to Scarecrow. Um, I would almost say yes to... I would actually be very curious to see how he would handle Poison Ivy. Yeah, that would be interesting. I'd be even more shocked if he went down the route and cast a, a blonde doctor named Harleen Quinzel. <laughs> yeah. Although I think that might be a little too early, given the time frame. Yeah. Who knows? But we'll, we'll find out in, I think, 40, 48, 49 days' time when that movie comes out. Yeah, crazy that we're already getting close. March 4th. March 4th is about to be one heck of a day. Well, before we sign off on our uh, typical Batman meanderings, uh, we did manage to watch two more episodes of Batman the Animated Series leading into the Batman. And I gotta say, two really good episodes. Not to spoil the ratings yet, but man, yeah, tell I had me about so much it. fun. I had so much fun with both of these episodes. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really have too much of a problem with either one of them. I was actually really surprised by um, the first one, Joker's yeah, favor. Joker's favor. Yep. Because if you think about it, you know, since we're watching these in HBO Max order, this would be for someone who's never watched the animated series. This is their introduction to the Joker. And I gotta say, pretty good introduction, if all things considered. Is it the introduction to the Joker? Because I think they... Oh, yeah, right, because they, they played it... They play everything almost out of order. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we're going in the HBO Max order. So we, right. according... Someone who's brand new, never watched animated series, and they're just watching it through HBO Max, this is their first time seeing the Joker. Yeah, so uh, uh, just to recap, we've watched The Cat in the Claws, Part 1 and 2, On Leather Wings, Heart of Ice, Feet of Clay, Parts 1 and 2. It's never too late, and now we are on to Joker's Favor. Now, uh, Joker's Favor is actually a pretty fun one. It starts off with um, a gentleman on, I guess, a bridge or a freeway, whatever you want to call it, and he starts to curse out someone in the next lane next to him, come to find out. It's the Joker. Yep. Uh, yeah. And I love his introduction to, so the character's name, his name is Charlie Collins. Yep. And he is just, even, and again, credit to everybody on the production of this show. 
I love how they give each character like their own little like theme song. Mm-hmm. And his is just this dopey, like just he's just such a pathetic little guy in terms of the storyline. And his first thing is he's complaining on his drive home. Uh, the boss turned me down for a raise. Kid needs braces. Bonnie's making meatloaf for dinner. <laughs> How could my life get any worse? I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is this is the kind of guy we're going to be dealing with for this episode. You know, it's funny. When I looked at Charlie Collins, the only thing I could think of was like, you look a lot like John Candy. Me too. I thought the exact same thing. Even know. his voice is kind of John Candy reminiscent, honestly. Yeah, and I was just like... No disrespect, because I rest in peace, John Candy. But that, yeah. that was just the, the thing I just kept thinking about throughout the entirety of the episode was like Charlie yeah. Collins looks like John Candy, Uncle Buck. Yeah. Yep. But um, after he gets wigged out and crashes, and the Joker like kind of lets him off, but tells him, you know, I'm going to call you for a favor. Mm-hmm. That's. <sighs> and then he doesn't call him back for two years. Yeah. But the creepier part is, is like, he knew that he changed his name, his identity and moved to Ohio mm-hmm. and still managed to be like, yeah, either make good on your favor or my, my boys are going to hurt your family. And it's like that right there just shows, goes to show not only just how sick the Joker is, but how obsessive he can be when he's just on one. Mm-hmm. And how dangerous he actually is. Mm-hmm. The fact that he just wanted a favor from this guy and he followed him for two years. And it's also addressed. The favor he wants him to do yeah. is open the door so he can have a cake wheeled in for the commissioner's testimony. Because the episode jumps to Commissioner Gordon kind of complaining about having to get a testimonial. But then we get a cut to Batman going, you know, you're the one who deserves it. I'm only night shift. Yeah, I just work night shift. <laughs> but it's like... And- Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm sipping my soda. I was just going to say, and interesting note, now that I think about it, this is also our introduction to Harley Quinn. Yeah, by the, the HBO Max listing, you're right, yeah. Which, for those of for those that don't know, Harley Quinn is from the animated show. She was not in the comics. She was solely created for Batman the Animated Series, and just look at that character now. You know, funny story, before I um, uh, resigned from the comic book store... Uh, I was working there one day, and a, and a gentleman asked, do you guys have the first appearance of Harley Quinn? And I looked up immediately, <laughs> and I was like, um, I'm pretty sure we don't carry volumes of Batman the Animated Series. He goes, what are you talking about? I was like, because yeah. the first appearance of Harley Quinn was in Batman the Animated Series in 1992. Yep. I was like, are you talking about her first appearance in comics? In and comics. he goes, oh my gosh, you're absolutely correct. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It's it is interesting just given the fact that this character has become so popular over the last what I'd say ten years. I would say 30. you know she was she was popular in the animated series, but not to the degree that she is now. Well, this year would be her. This year is actually the thirtieth year of thirtieth anniversary yeah, of Batman the Animated true. Series. Yeah. So, thirty years of popularity, culminating yeah. this year. Yeah, she is in this episode, and <laughs> uh, uh, you know it's funny because the episode ends on the Joker actually getting getting yeah. spooked and having to <laughs> scream for Batman. Yeah, yeah. I like what does he say? Uh, he I can't. I don't remember the exact line, 
but so basically Charlie Collins corners the Joker and he has one of Joker's bombs and he's like, I'm going to blow it. You know, you've ruined my life. You've made me a part of your scheme. So I'm going to do us both a favor. I'm going to blow us both up. And Joker's like, no, no, don't do it. I, you know, this scene that definitely seems like a job for Batman. <laughs> and he starts calling for Batman. And just the fact that we've got Joker looking for Batman to save him from this pathetic little dude holding a bomb. And then Batman's standing there watching it the entire time. And he goes, how long were you standing there? Long enough. <laughs> long enough. <laughs> the dry humor displayed from Batman in this series is top-notch and it'll never yep. be topped ever again. And then, of course, the bomb, you know, he tosses the bomb to bomb. Joker and it it blows up, but it's just a fake bomb. And <laughs> And I love the fact that it gets Batman to laugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a that's yeah that one that's, made me. That's chuckle. probably one of my favorite moments of this episode. Is the bomb goes off, Joker looks down on it. He, you can tell, Joker's pissed, mm-hmm. and then Batman's just like, <laughs> and you're like, whoa, this guy just got Batman to laugh. Yeah. You you'd have to wonder if the Joker was thinking about Charlie Collins when Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker happened. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> because when Terry said, you know, you probably couldn't get a laugh out of the old man. That's when Joker really started to get yeah. <laughs> hissy. He remembers what what did get a laugh out of Batman. Exactly, yeah. Batman the fact that it wasn't ago. him. <laughs> Overall, and though. It, interesting little side note, too. I noticed in the scene where we get to see Harley Quinn for the first time, she's hanging out with um, Joker's two goons, and one of them is reading a Tiny Toon Adventures comic book. That is true. I thought that was a, a nice little wink from Warner Brothers. Well, Bruce Tim was working on Tiny Toons before he took on Batman. That's true. I forgot about that. He was told immediately um, once they were okay to do Batman, he cleared off his desk of Tiny Toons stuff and just immediately started working on Batman. So that doesn't <laughs> surprise me at all. But Joker's Favor, I, I would actually put up there as a probably a, a great Joker episode. Must watch yeah. of the series. I'd probably give it a four and a half out of five Batarangs, Batstars, Batheads, whatever. Batwings. Batwings. That's Definitely. what we settled on. Batwings. Yeah, if it had had just a little bit more like some like actual like action to it, I would have definitely said it's a five out of five, but yeah, it's it's definitely a solid four and a half. Yeah, because the, the, the whole testimonial break in with the gas and like feeding them bombs. Like, oh, Alright. Yeah, that was the only part that that for me I was kind of like, uh, so the nerve gas makes you freeze? What what just happened? <laughs> yeah, that that part wasn't particularly uh well explained, I guess. Would be the best yeah. way to say it. I don't, I don't know. Um but overall, you know, again, great performance from Mark Hamill as always. Great performance from Kevin Conroy. And um <laughs> hats off to Charlie Collins. John Cameron, Very, yeah. Like, Man, I I wish he had gotten more. I wish we could have seen Charlie Collins again in the future. That would have been fun. That would have been some fun continuity, even though he's just kind of a throwaway character. I feel like he would have been, you know, I don't know. It just and they and they circle back to it at the very end too, because this the episode ends just with, you know, Batman taking Joker away, and then mm-hmm. Charlie's left there in the alley, yep. and he just starts walking away, and he goes, "Whew, what a weekend!" And then he's like, "What does he say at the very end?" He's so, like, "Oh so, yeah, I wonder what Bonnie's making for dinner. Probably I'll even take loaf. the meatloaf." Yeah, I'll even take the meatloaf. That's what he says. Yep, four out of five for Joker's favor for me, or four and a half out of five Batwings yeah. for me. It's, what about you? Same? I, I'd say four and a half, yeah. All right. 
Well, after that, we, we promised you all two, and we were going to talk about Pretty Poison. That is the next episode after Joker's Favor. And this, uh, since the last episode was kind of an introduction to the Joker, if you're again watching on HBO Max for someone who is not, this was the eas- easily, easily the introduction of Poison Ivy, as well as yep. Harvey Dent. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. I had to write that down in my notes, too. I was like, wait a minute. So I thought back when I was watching the episode, I'm like, yeah, we haven't seen Harvey Dent at all in this show yet, according to the HBO Max continuity. Which is interesting to think about. Because, again, you know, there, there's the production order, there's the air date order, there's a couple different ways you could watch the show. But I feel like this the, the way it's paced out here, though, is very... Because you start off with, you know, the two, you get Cat in the Claw, you get Catwoman and Red Claw, then you get Man Bat. And you get Mr. Freeze with Heart of Ice, and then you get the Feet of Clay with Clayface, and then you get It's Never Too Late with, uh, you know, just a random... Gangster. Gangster yeah. in Gotham. And then you get Joker's Favor, now Pretty Poison. And then the next one we get to do next is Nothing to Fear, which is, I yes. believe, the first Scarecrow episode. And actually the very first Batman episode I ever saw. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, so Pretty Poison... Um... This, by the way, this is how you do a Poison Ivy origin story, Batman and Robin. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I was watching this episode today, and I thought to myself, there are a couple things here that are very reminiscent of that movie. Yep. But done 100% better. (laughs) Yeah. You know, this episode... It's it's um... so funny that it's in a 20-minute long animated episode. They did a better job with character development, with plot threads, with everything, than a two-hour-long feature film. Well, that's um, that's pretty telling, isn't it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I had fun with this one as well. I, I had not seen this in a long, long time. Um, Same here. There were clips that I do recall. Like, I remember certain points I was going, oh, man, I remember seeing this as a yeah. kid. Like, um, when Harvey falls face first into the chocolate, I, I yep. distinctly remember, I remember that, that as a kid. Yep. Um, the, uh, the big plant when it catches Bruce and the noise that it makes when he cuts the vines. I specifically remember that as a little kid. Same. Same. I remember that. Um, I can also, weirdly enough, remember the, um, the arm crossbow that they gave Poison Ivy because that mm-hmm. was a thing that even goes all the way back to the books. Yep. Yeah, I had fun with this episode. It starts off with like a, a bit of a flashback to the beginning of Gotham Penitentiary. It's being bulldozed onto this island, but this you know little plot of land is also home to some now extinct roses, whom you do see a redheaded woman kind of take one for herself and take away and care for. Um, then you kind of cut to modern day, or you cut to uh, present day, I should say. And um, I do like the subtitle where it pops up and it says a better, safer Gotham five years later. And then it starts with a breakout. Yeah, a breakout at the penitentiary. And I found that a good little sarcastic humor there. What's funny is that breakout is intercut between Batman stopping it and Harvey Dent telling yeah. Pamela Isley about his friend Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and throwing all little things in like, oh, yeah, he always gets a kick out of these kind of things. And it switches over to Batman kicking the goon in the stomach. Right, right. right. And then, you know... Promptly so, he stops stops the breakout and gets to that dinner. And then he comes to find out that his friend Dent and Pamela have only been dating for a week, but he's for sure going to marry her. <laughs> he's going to, yeah, I thought, I forgot about that. 
when he when he says that, I I had Bruce's expression. I was like, you, "You're what now? It's you've been dating a week." <laughs> but at this point, you know, after after they kissed, I even remember as a kid remembering that and thinking after seeing Batman and Robin, like, "Oh, I know what's gonna happen." <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then, sure enough, you know. I mean, given how long she kissed him too, I thought that was pretty hilarious. She yeah. starts smooching on him, and <laughs> Bruce is like looking away. Looks the other way, looks over, they're still kissing, looks at his watch. Looks up, looks <laughs> down, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, she proceeds to walk away, and then, like, he, you see Harvey, like, visually start to kind of, like, lose it a little bit, and then he just falls face forward into the chocolate, and Bruce thinks yeah. he's, he's pulling one over on him, and he's like, oh, shit, no. <laughs> so when that happens, and they take him to the hospital, Commissioner Gordon's notified, right? Yeah. And they all rush to the hospital, but even at the beginning of the episode when they're when they're informed of the, the breakout, Bullock goes for the damn donut twice. You gotta go back, gotta He's go back. Gotta to go back donuts. for the donut. Yeah. And and I'm just like <laughs> You got the right idea. And they really they really hammed that up with Bullock, I noticed, because even on the previous episode, Joker's Favor, he was eating everything in his sight during that dinner. That is true. So they they really play up that. the fact that Bullock Bullock loves his food. I didn't even that didn't even occur to me, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, that's funny. So after that, you know, comes to find out Harvey's been poisoned by a rose that has been extinct for five years, and Batman's like, "Well, I'm gonna find, go find the antidote," and he's like, "You can't. It's extinct. Yeah. How can you get an antidote for something that doesn't exist anymore?" Batman's like, "Shit." <laughs> so he goes to the hospital to Bruce Wayne, and he runs into. Pamela Isley and that's where things really start to click in his head and he's like wait mm-hmm. a minute you were the last one to physically touch him before he fell forward mm-hmm. so then he proceeds to tell Alfred after she leaves the hospital he's like Alfred look up everything you know on Pamela Isley and then sure enough once he starts hearing everything that she is you know she's got a PhD in botany she gives seminars about extinct planets Batman's just like oh, okay I know exactly where this is going <laughs> yeah <laughs> like he immediately figured it out while he's doing that too and I love the way this show does its comedy mm-hmm. while he's doing that the police are interrogating the employees of the restaurant and Bullock is <laughs> interrogating the chef and he's like <laughs> What you put in the moose? Uh, chocolate, eggs, sugar. And I'm like, oh my god! Batman's over here doing real detective work, and Bullock's interviewing the pastry chef and one of the waiters over chocolate mousse because <laughs> he thinks the moose poisoned him. <sighs> that was something. Yeah, just shows the kind of character that Bullock is. I I, I found that part really funny. I also noticed in this episode that they they the way they draw the Batmobile is perfect enough to where if Batman pulls it up right up to a gate, it will not be mm-hmm. seen. And yeah. I thought about that when they did it in Batman Returns, too. I'm just like, yeah, I want to see that happen with the Batmobile again. Yep. Because it's just such a cool idea because it literally just kind of blends in. Yeah, sadly, we don't get the, the, the sleek Batmobiles anymore. Now, granted... Robert Pattinson's one little bit sleeker of a design, but I mean, in terms of Batmobiles, we don't we don't get that any longer. That thing is loud. It is. <laughs> that thing's not going to sneak into nothing. No, that thing is loud. But uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed the way they drew the Batmobile and how it kind of hugged up against the gate when Batman investigated her her greenhouse, mm-hmm. and that's when he you know really figures it out. He's like, oh, it was you, 
And sure enough, she poisoned him because she thinks he needs to pay for his crimes, the crime being destroying the rose and destroying the land those rose grew on so they could have a penitentiary for villains. And mm-hmm. It's like, hmm, noble. Yeah. That's noble for, for you know, an eco-terrorist. But her, like, evil plant thing, or v- evil mutated Venus flytrap. With the, real, this, but... with the real teeth. Yeah. <laughs> that Batman, man, and the Batman kicks the teeth. <laughs> he, like, mm-hmm. breaks multiple teeth of that thing. Yeah. And that thing gets put through the ringer, too. So, you know, Batman uses his, you know, utility belt. He cuts a couple of the vines, the things. And the thing makes this, like, otherworldly, like, scream whenever it gets hurt. And then... Poison Ivy tries to shoot Batman with her wrist uh, crossbow thing. Misses Batman, goes right through the mm-hmm. insides of that thing, and it freaks out even more, and she starts screaming. Like, man, that poor that poor plant. Couldn't catch a break. Yeah, yeah, that that, that was bitter irony on, on Poison Ivy's part. She obviously loves plants very much, and the fact that she uh, wound up killing the, the one she loved the most was just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you messed up. But, but on top of that, she was able to hit Bruce with, um, yes, uh, with or she was able to kiss him and actually get the poison into Bruce. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to deal with that while also trying to battle poison ivy as well. Indeed, and he managed to actually do it. He managed to you know keep his ground and stay you know level-headed enough to hold her off, but also like you know get the rose, get an antidote. And, and then, use the and use the rose as a bargaining chip. I thought that part was hilarious. Yeah, because he's about to fall to his death. She gets her crossbow ready, and she's like, "You know, you're about to die." And he's like, "I'm not going alone." And he lifts the rose up, and Poison Ivy's just like, "Damn it!" <laughs> yeah. And then the last we see of her is in the same penitentiary, and she's like, "I'll grow back like all plants do." And it's like, "Oh, okay." Interesting thing I did notice. So this episode, being the introduction of Poison Ivy. She doesn't control plants per se. You know, we're at the point now in like, for example, you know, the Carly Quinn animated show where she's literally like a human plant hybrid and she can mm-hmm. control plants. This is very much more bare bones. She's just a angry eco terrorist who she cares about the plants, but she has no direct control over them at this point. Well, I would say that she creates them more so than she controls them. Yeah. But creation comes with a sense of control. I don't know just how much that, how strong that connection would be. But yeah, um, um, I, I see what you're saying. Um, if they were to bring the character in live action in any way, shape, or form, I would really like to see the more controlling over plant life as opposed to just, uh, you know. Having the powers to right, do it. Right. Yeah. Right. But overall, you know, Pretty Poison was a pretty solid episode. I'd probably give it a four out of five bat wings. I would say so. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Hey, shush. Sorry, my bird's being loud. No, it's fine. I, it's no worries. I'm actually worried about my cat, but he's been pretty quiet, all things considered, so that's good. Um, One thing I did note that I thought was pretty funny, um, again, this, this shows just subtle humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're, when Harvey is having dinner with Pamela Isley um, and they're ordering or they're having their food, the waiter comes up and he gives like the steak to Harvey or no, he gives a salad to Harvey mm-hmm. and he gives escargot to Pamela. And I thought that was just kind of funny that she ordered <laughs> to eat something that normally does damage to plants. I thought that was a cute little like wink into her psyche 
that she she's like, I'm going to eat the thing that kills my babies. Yeah, it is very uh, dominant yeah. of that <laughs> to, character to do, I guess, interestingly enough. Um, I, I didn't actually catch that, but thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. But yes, our next Batman the Animated Series episode is going to be Nothing to Fear, which is a Scarecrow episode. And I can't um, wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then the next one after that will be Be a Clown. I remember that one. Yep. But I think that is where we're going to effectively put a pin in it here for this episode of The Eternal Night. Yeah. A lot went on in this one. Lots happened in the world of Batman in just the two weeks since we did an episode last. Yeah, and I'm glad we're here to talk about all of it. And I'm sure we'll probably continue to talk about it as the weeks leading into the Batman grow shorter. And if y'all, again, want to follow us online, you can follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter, just at T-E-K underscore podcast. You can also give us an email eternalnightpod at gmail.com and uh, you can also follow me along anywhere on social media again just at unfiltered twitter vero instagram and craig you can also find craig here on uh, instagram only because he only stays on instagram like a smart cookie uh, mm-hmm. so craig omega craig any final words for our listeners tonight any parting words of wisdom anything else no. you want to add tonight Nothing else tonight. I just hope everybody had a good uh, holiday season. Hope everybody had a good new year. Very excited to see what 2022 has in store for us. Yeah, we got a lot going on this year, I'm sure. We're probably going to have to cramp in some um, legendary moments of the Dark Knight. We're going to have to prep. Yeah, we are due for that soon. We are. We're actually really overdue for that. Um, We're probably going to try and squeeze in some books, too, at some point this year. Mm Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we got a lot. We got some stuff on the docket for 2022, but we will absolutely be talking about The Batman as it looms closer to release. But that said, everybody, stay safe, take it easy, and tell all your friends about us. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. I'm Vengeance. Thank you for listening to The Eternal Night. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Media or DC Entertainment. All thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. Drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you.